Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Jill Foos Wellness Live Facebook. This is going to stream on my um, new Health Trip with Jill Foos podcast as well on Apple Podcasts. And I am your host, Jill Foos. I am a functional medicine and integrative nutrition health coach in downtown Chicago. I have my own business and I work one-on-one -on -one with clients with corporate health programs and with small groups such as families, including professional athletes. And today I welcome Dr. Jack Wolfson, and I'm really excited to bring this guest to all of you. Dr. Jack Wolfson is a board certified cardiologist and a fellow of the American College of Cardiology. He began his education in cardiology at the footsteps of his father, who was the first osteopathic resident in the Cleveland Clinic. Dr. Jack attended the University of Illinois for his undergraduate degree and then spent four years at the Chicago College of Osteopathic Medicine for his Doctor of Osteopathic degree. He then had a three-year internal medicine residency followed by a three-year cardiology fellowship at Lutheran General Hospital in Park Ridge, Illinois, serving as chief fellow in his final year. He's been named one of America's top functional medicine doctors and is a five-time winner of the Natural Choice Awards as a holistic MD. Dr. Wilson's work has been covered by more than 100 media outlets, including NBC, CNN, and the Washington Post. He is a natural cardiologist called upon by doctors and people travel from all over the globe for his natural heart health treatment and advice. He left Chi-Town and relocated to Arizona, where he was a partner in Arizona's largest cardiology practice. He then opened his own practice, the Wolfson Integrative Cardiology, and was chairman of the Department of Medicine and director of cardiac rehabilitation at Paradise Valley Air Hospital in Arizona. As a trusted leader in the heart health and natural heart health space, Dr. Jack has taught more than 10,000 physicians his natural heart health best practices. His book, The, Pale the Paleocardiologist, The Natural Way to Heart Health, was an Amazon number one bestseller. He continues to lecture about natural healthy living without big pharma pills and invasive procedures. He is a fellow of the American College of Cardiology, a member of the American Association of Physicians and Surgeons, member of the American Academy of Anti-Aging, member of Arizona Osteopathic Medical Association. Dr. Wilson and his wife have four children and are committed to making the world a better place to live. Welcome, Dr. Jack. Thank you so much, Jill, for the, for the long-winded intro. Uh, makes me seem uh, pretty old when I think about all the things that I've done in my career. But uh, again, I'm, I'm just, uh, I'm thrilled to be on with you to share some heart health information to all of your listeners and to whoever else is, is listening going forward. So thank you. Oh, well, thank you. I'm so honored to have you here and um, help my listeners really understand things like saturated fats, cholesterol, and heart health. But before we begin, I do want to just do a little bit of a medical disclaimer that while Dr. Jack is actually a medical doctor, and I am not, um, this today our conversation is strictly here for informational and educational purposes. At the end of the podcast, I absolutely will give you uh, Dr. Jack's contact information, social media handles, and I know, um, I, I believe you're still doing Zoom consultations, correct? I do Zoom and I also do in person. I'm in Arizona right now. Uh, okay. Just finished up, uh, you know, again, uh, a week and a half of back to back to back uh, uh, new consultations. So we try and offer people the best of, of all worlds. And we've been doing Zoom for quite a while. So uh, right. it's, uh, it, it's pretty second nature. 
That's right. Um, so we all know someone who's been affected by heart disease. It seems like an obvious consequence to living a really unhealthy lifestyle. But what about all of those people out there who are doing the best they can and kind of hitting those, those sweet spots such as sound sleep and exercise every day and you know keeping a healthy diet and um, managing their stress on a daily basis. What about those people? Like, why are they getting heart disease? Why is this interfering with that? So it leads me to believe that it's not just about lifestyle. Um, it could be a little bit deeper. So here are just some current stats from the CDC before we dive in. Heart disease is still the leading cause of death for men, women, and people of most racial and ethnic groups in the US. One person dies every 36 seconds in the US from cardiovascular disease. And in the US, someone has a heart attack every 40 seconds. 655,000 Americans die from heart disease every year. That's one in every four people. Heart disease cost of the United States uh, is about $220 billion a year. And that includes healthcare services, medicine, and loss productivity due to death. So in women in heart disease, that's like a whole nother section. Uh, heart disease is the leading cause of death for women in the US. One in every five females die from cardiovascular disease. About one in 16 women aged 20 and older have a coronary heart disease, the most common type of heart disease. Risk factors include high blood pressure, hypertension, smoking, diabetes, overweight, obesity, unhealthy diet, physically inactive, inactive um, excessive um, alcohol use. So there's also additional risk factors for women going through menopause, which are, which is just really crazy to me. So Dr. Jack, these are just astonishing numbers. There's so much confusion and conflicting information out there that's just downright scary. Uh, the grocery trends are hitting an all-time high with engineered plant-based um, food sales, processed, packaged health food snacks loaded with natural sugars and rancid seed oils. People are leaving their doctor's offices feeling overwhelmed with a diagnosis, a prescription in hand, and depression with zero guidance on what to do next. So what gives? What's going on? Well, you know, back to your point that you made earlier before, you know, people often say, well, uh, so-and-so had a heart attack and he was healthy. And, you know, again, they would say he ate healthy, he lived healthy, he, uh, again, did all those things you, you know, talk about. But again, I think that when someone like you and I would take a history from that person, I think we would uncover a lot of behaviors that truly are not healthy. So when someone says, oh, they ate healthy, well, really, let's, let's dive into exactly how they were eating. Let's dive into how they were sleeping. Let's dive into how they were getting you know, um, uh, you know, sunshine. For example, Bob Harper. Bob Harper was the actor on America's like, Biggest Loser, that television show. And on the outside, he looked like Iron Man. He looked super healthy. And then he has a massive heart attack. And everyone's like, oh, my God, Bob Harper from America's Biggest Loser. He's physically fit and he exercises. 
he had a massive heart attack, therefore anybody could. But I would say, listen, I don't know exactly, for example, I don't know, I personally don't know Bob Harper at all or any of his history, but I would say, Bob Harper, I don't know how he ate. I don't know how he slept. I don't know the amount of stress he was under. I don't know how much sunshine he got as a TV personality in front of the camera living in New York all day long. I, I would surmise he did not get much sunshine. Again, I don't know what kind of testing he had done prior. We do know that he was not tested or it was new to him, a factor called LP little a, which it markedly increases cardiovascular risk. So he's been a big proponent of getting that test. So again, whenever someone says that they had an event, they were healthy, I would question them and do a deep dive. Things like their environment, how often they were organic, uh, what kind of mattress they slept on, did uh, were they exposed to mold, environmental mold? So what you and I do, Jill, again, is we go so in-depth and we always find chinks in the armor on why somebody suffered from an event. And that is why also why testing is of paramount importance to determine people's actual risk factors, advanced lipids, advanced markers of inflammation. We need to do a deep dive on people before they have an event. Absolutely. I totally agree on the deep dive. So many times clients come to me and I ask to see their blood work. And if it's from a traditional doctor, it's just the bare basics. It's the bare bones. It doesn't really give the full picture. And um, as you know, traditional doctors and functional medicine doctors look at ranges, normal versus optimal, a little bit differently. So I want to talk about blood work a little bit further down the path, but I want to start somewhere um, in the past. During our ancestral days, we ate meat. We ate fat from meat, saturated fats. So where, where did this start? When did this start that saturated fats got such a bad rap? Well, it started really in the 1950s. And I think that there was, uh, and, and this story has been told many times and I tell it in my book as well. Again, how 1950s, Dr. Ansel Keys, uh, uh, you know, promotes uh, uh, what I would say is false information and why he did that. Was it all just about promoting processed foods, grains and things that could have a long shelf life. And he did this in the best interest of Nabisco and Quaker Oats and stuff like that. But in any case, it was in the 1950s when that got started. And then, of course, the, the government in bed with big ag and big food were able to promote this agenda that started to shun a lot of the foods we've been eating for millions of years. So if you look at the paleontology literature, if you look the, at the anthropology literature, or you can even watch modern day TV shows like Alone or Naked and Afraid or Survivor, they are eating hunter-gatherer foods. So given that fact, it really should end the debate right there on what the best diet is but the diet continues. There's just so many diverse opinions that are out there. And I certainly would love to talk about it more and I'll defend saturated fat uh, uh, all day long. But what I like to tell people as well, Jill, is that no matter what diet you follow, if you're a vegan, a vegetarian, if you're Mediterranean, if you're paleo or keto or even carnivore, if you are anywhere on that spectrum, 
make the food clean, make all of your food organic. If you eat meat, eat free range grass fed meats. If you eat Pop-Tarts, just find organic Pop-Tarts, whatever, whatever your food is, get the chemicals out of your food. I, I would like that we could all agree on that. And then we can decide, even based on testing, what the best foods are for the individual person. But please work on going all organic. It's better for you. It's better for the planet. Get the chemicals out of your food. Absolutely. The toxins um, affect, especially, you know, as a middle-aged woman, such as myself, the toxins really wreak havoc on our hormonal balance, our mood, um, just our, our daily energy level. So I can tell by taking those, when I took those out and really, you know, dusted off the, uh, out my pantry and my fridge, which I refer to for my clients as our toolboxes, right? Like we have to have clean toolboxes. We have to have things that are in working condition in order to fix problems. So I refer to those as toolboxes. So I really like how you're um, saying, but not everybody can afford this type of life. So then, then what do we say? Jill, come on, come on. You know, that's not true because I mean, listen, are, are there people who are, who are on food stamps, uh, you know, they can't afford these kind of foods. Uh, that, that's probably true. There are people that are truly stricken by poverty and it makes it very difficult for those people. But for the vast majority of Americans, they have to spend their food on this because I would ask you, whenever you say you can't afford uh, a food, or maybe you say, oh, you know, Dr. You know, you know, Dr. Jack Wolfson or Jill Foose, they're amazing, but I can't afford to work with them. I would say you can't afford not to work with them. If you are struggling financially, how much more would you be struggling if you had a heart attack, if you had nice. cancer, if you had a stroke? So you have to, it sounds cliche, but you have to pay yourself food first. You have to take care of yourself first. But when it comes to those, those organic foods, again, we got to spend our money on those. There is a recent study from 2019, Mainstream Cardiology Journal, where they took the, a population and they divided the population into thirds. And there was a high level of pesticide, a moderate level of pesticide, and low level of pesticide as tested by blood the upper tertiary or the higher third of pesticide people had a 300% higher risk of cardiovascular death. So wow. what you're alluding to is the hormonal disruption, the endocrine disruption, and that is all true. And some of that may lead to an excess cardiovascular mortality, but pesticides kill pests and they kill humans. We really need to make that effort to spend the money on organic food. Right, and actually right now online, there are so many resources out there to purchase in bulk and save money and people just have to dig a little deeper and find those resources. Um, talking about saturated fats, we can't not talk about cholesterol levels. What exactly is the definition of cholesterol and why is this substance so important for life? Well, again, you know, that's why I made cholesterol uh, my, uh, very important in my book. And the first chapter is called Cholesterol is King. So if I can break down how, what cholesterol is and how important it is for the body, now we're going to start getting some serious 
uh, uh, mental breakthroughs for people to understand kind of the rest of the information that's about to come forward. And when we get people to understand that cholesterol, we, we cannot live without cholesterol in our bodies. Uh, neither can all the other animals, which is why animal foods contain cholesterol, why a chicken egg contains cholesterol, because that's how a chicken comes to life. Uh, breast milk, mother's breast milk, uh, mm -hmm. cow's milk, every mammal's milk is loaded with cholesterol because that's how, again, you form the baby's brains. So every cell has cholesterol, every cell membrane, all vitamin D comes from cholesterol, our digestion is from cholesterol, our sex hormones are from cholesterol, testosterone, estrogen, progesterone. Again, we cannot live without cholesterol. It's been vilified purely to benefit, again, big ag and ultimately big pharma to vilify that. And what we know from, so cholesterol consumption is not a problem and cholesterol as a blood test is also not really valid especially when you start to get outside of the range of 160 and 260. Total cholesterol above 260, increased risk of dying. Total cholesterol below 160, higher risk of dying. But we ask people to get much more advanced tests than, again, what you referred to before as the you know, basic tests. I refer to those as the 1970s tests, the tests that the doctors have been running since the 1970s that are just totally antiquated. And yes. if we can go to advanced lipoprotein analysis, uh, 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 the, most, the most important cholesterol risk factor uh, that we need to test everybody for, and if you're listening, you need to get it tested. And I'm sure, Jill, you test your clients. I certainly do. Is the apolipoprotein B to apolipoprotein yeah. A ratio. 2004, Dr. Salim Youssef came up with that ratio and the study showing that that is the single most predictive cholesterol marker. Now, markers of inflammation are infinitely more important than cholesterol markers. But again, as it pertains to cholesterol and lipids, it's that ratio ApoB, ApoA. And can you um, explain to the listeners why particle size is so important and why just looking at HDL and LDLs is not as relevant as it once was? Certainly, I would love to. Like, I get to geek out on this stuff. I, I love, <laughs> I could talk about this all day, right? All right, but I'll cut right to the chase, you know, with your people, yep. is that when it comes to, uh, you know, LDL and HDL, they've been labeled by pharmaceutical companies in bed with the brainwashed medical doctors. And I say that because I was that until I escaped. But there's no such thing as, as LDL is the bad cholesterol and HDL is the good. Why would we as humans and all animals and all mammals have LDL particles. Is it because the body wants to kill us? No, it's not, it's not the bad. LDL serves a purpose, HDL serves a purpose. And again, I talk about that in much greater detail in other places, but what matters really is the quality of those LDLs. Big, fluffy, buoyant LDLs, those are good. Small, dense LDLs, those are bad. Those are damaged, those are oxidized those lead to and are linked to cardiovascular disease. And if you don't know what your breakdown is, you're missing the entire picture. You're missing the entire picture. So yeah. please make sure you're working with a practitioner that is testing those numbers. ApoB, apolipoprotein B, apolipoprotein A, and then we mentioned before LP, 
parentheses uh, a little a mm -hmm. that's what it's called lipoprotein little a and you got to know those measurements if you're not getting them you're missing and you're at risk so speaking of blood work will blood work look different for people who are eating differently like i'm a, a carnivore so my blood work looks different than when i wasn't a carnivore what about people who are keto or paleo versus a vegan and what are the main differences what are the possible main differences that there could be and as a carnivore you know i'm always on my labs always in the red always in the red zone for lots of things um but my CAC score, which I'd like to talk about too, is a zero. So is it possible, I'm asking a couple things here, but is it possible to have a low CAC score, let's call it zero, and still have inflammation that could possibly lead to um, clogged arteries? So what is, what's going on there? So, so the answer is, is that inflammation is really the, the big elephant in the room. Inflammation is where the problem is. So when you talk about the reds and the yellows and the greens, again, that's just pharmaceutical company speak. That is, that is trying to get the doctors to see it in black, not black and white, to see it in red, yellow, and green, to see it as a problem, therefore recommend statin drugs. That is all the guidelines as written by pharmaceutical companies. Uh, when, when people go on a vegan diet that I would describe as a starvation diet because they're not giving the body the tools it needs. Well, the body is not going to make cholesterol because we're not giving the body the tools it needs. And I think that is a problem. It's a cholesterol deficiency. Um, when it comes to other people and, and other diets, I think that's why it's important to guess, I'm sorry, test, don't guess. So we can really dial in those, you know, the diets for the individual. So I think that some people, if they go straight carnivore, they could have a lot of inflammation, they could have oxidized lipids, but I think a lot of people don't. Uh, to me, I am the paleo cardiologist and paleo is sometimes it's low carb, sometimes seasonally it's higher carb. There's always some vegetables included. I personally think carnivore is okay for a cleanse not big on it as a long-term strategy. But uh, again, I, I think that if you, if you get tested, I think that goes a long way. If you're carnivore and your inflammation's low, you're in a good spot. And there are plenty of people who are carnivore that have a coronary artery calcium uh, score that is uh, zero. And they're a testament to, uh, to the fact there is a much bigger story than just the the basics of, of what we've been told as far as cholesterol and even inflammation. There's a lot more parameters we could check. So does cholesterol increase plaque buildup in our arteries? And if not, what is the culprit here? Well, there's a lot of different cul culprits and straight cholesterol is not one of them. I think ultimately what causes coronary artery disease is when the endothelium that lines the blood vessels, that one cell layer thick of real estate that lines the blood vessels. So blood flows kind of through the artery, but the interface in between blood flow and the artery is one layer of cells called the endothelium. And when we live an unhealthy lifestyle with unhealthy foods, unhealthy sleep, lack of sunshine, environmental toxins, lack of physical activity, mental stress, and, and so on and so forth, 
that that leads to what we will call what I call leaky heart. So a lot of people are familiar with the concept of leaky gut, where things right. get in through the bot through the uh, gastrointestinal epithelial barrier, and they get into the body and they don't belong. I think the same thing clearly happens with the heart with this leaky endothelium, leaky heart, and now that sets up the whole inflammatory immunodysfunction process. And now again, we start to develop coronary artery disease. When we eat, I, I want you to walk us through when we eat and how we digest, let's just call it a ribeye. It's my favorite cut of meat. When we eat a ribeye, how does that break down into our di in our digestion? How do we observe the nutrients and where is the, where is it happening that the saturated fat turns into cholesterol where people think the damage is done? Like what's, what's that? You matter? got it. And first of all, let me say, you know, once again, I am a Chicago guy for 31 years as a Chicago guy. And when I left Chicago to move to Arizona, everybody said, what do you miss about Chicago? And I'd say, well, I've got some family and I've got some friends, but I miss the food, right? I miss the deep dish pizza, Italian mm -hmm. beef sandwiches, hot dogs and stuff like that. And then, you know, at the age of 35, when I met my wife and she converted me from a hospital-based cardiologist to a natural holistic cardiologist. And that's a whole long story, again, that I tell in the book. But um, I, I no longer ate those foods. And I feel that for those people who are listening, that anybody can move on from those items. And, and, and again, think about that as part of your history. Think about those type of foods as things you've had in the past. You've been there, done that. You've had all of those experiences. Now is the time to live. Jill, you've got five kids. I've got four kids. We want to be around for to watch our kids get married and we want right. you know grandchildren and so on and so forth. This is the only way we're going to achieve that. We are not going to achieve that in the pharmaceutical pill-based model. It is a failure and it's not gonna work. To answer your question, I happen to prefer a grass-fed burger, by the way, just a plain old burger uh, you know, with vegetables, occasionally some organic French fries cooked up in some duck fat, you know, something like that. Mm. Um, I will say this in case I forget that seafood is the healthiest food on the planet. And if you're carnivore, keto, paleo, whatever, please eat seafood. If you're vegan, please eat seafood. There is nothing healthier than seafood. But again, to answer your question, when the body takes in food as fuel, whether it's saturated fat or anything else, that food is digested, it's brought in through the portal vein up into the liver, and now the liver starts packaging up that food as fuel to be delivered to the rest of the body. And a lot of it is packaged up onto L inside of LDLs, and those LDLs leave the liver to deliver food to the cells where it is needed. So the LDL is kind of like that big old bus mm -hmm. that is packed full of passengers, leaves the liver, goes to the rest of the body to give the body the fuel it needs to get the job done. And saturated fat has been shown in multiple studies to be not linked to cardiovascular or overall disease. And in fact, you know, the American Journal of Clinical Nutrition did a study on 350,000 uh, patients, and they found no link to coronary artery disease. And multiple studies show that saturated fat actually can improve HDL and can improve lipid ratios. And finally, 
kind of the poster child for saturated fat is the coconut. And so many times in our medical training, we told people not to eat coconuts because of its saturated fat content. Although we got no nutritional training whatsoever, we got absolutely positively zero. And that is well known that even at Harvard Medical School, they get a very small, scant amount of nutritional training for obvious reasons. They get training in pharmaceuticals and surgeries. But the, the islands in the South Pacific, over 50%, 50% of their diet is coconut-based. Coconut meat, coconut water, coconut oil, coconut flakes, whatever it may be. And the people in the South Pacific have no coronary artery disease. And this is despite the fact that they all smoke. They all smoke cigarettes on those places because the American military left the cigarettes there but they didn't necessarily bring in the McDonald's and the fast food. So these people are eating their native foods. They're eating the coconut. Coconut is, is miraculous on so many different levels. Uh, think, and think about the beauty of a coconut. Why would that cause coronary artery disease, a food we've been consuming for eons, but oatmeal for some reason is, is the go-to right. food? Right. That's really interesting you say that. I have printed out here from the American Heart Association, their page on how can I improve my cholesterol? What should I eat? Here's just a couple things they say. Foods that are low in saturated fat. They want you to eat whole grain bread, cereal, pasta, and brown rice. At least half of the serving should be whole grains. Fat-free or low-fat milk products. Poultry without skin and lean meats. Um, they want you to eat, oh, non-tropical vegetable oils like canola, corn, olive, and safflower. So olive, great. I, I get that. But the other ones are, we all know those are rancid processed seed oils. Then they have a section on what should I limit? And they say to limit red meat and fatty meats that aren't trimmed, full fat dairy products such as whole milk, cream, ice cream, butter, and cheese. Um, and they want you to limit coconut oil so you know someone goes to this page right they go into their cardiologist maybe they've just had a tia like a, a small stroke and they leave there feeling like depressed anxiety just full of you know horrible feelings and and zero nutritional guidance they go on this site they look at this and so this must be right you know, just like everything going on in this world, you got to do a little, you got to do a little research of your own. You got to dig a little bit deeper, uh, in some cases, a lot deeper, but I'll make it very clear. The American Heart Association and the American College of Cardiology are owned by big pharma and big food, big ad. That's all there is to it. All of their sponsorship money comes from those sources. And those are the people who write the guidelines. Those are the people who donate the money to the politicians. It's not the American Association of Grass-Fed Farmers or Free-Range Poultry Layers or the Association of People Getting Wild Fresh Seafood. Those are not big organizations. The money talks, it controls everything. And the American Association, again, is bought many times over by, by big industry. So you can't go to them for, for information. You have to ultimately, I think Jill is go to, well, first of all, people like you and I, but just even go to the school of common sense. What if these organizations promoted 
the helium solution. So instead of breathing air, we want you, we've done the research and we want you to breathe helium. You would laugh in their face. So why don't we laugh in their face when it comes to these unnatural food recommendations? Just go back to the original food pyramid where the original food pyramid, Jill, you know this because you saw this in your training, the original food pyramid, the grain category is bigger than the vegetable category. The grain category takes up more real estate than the veggie category. That can only be a pyramid that is paid for and right. promoted by big food. And if we can get enough people to open up their eyes to that, that's again where, where the revolution takes place. But real quickly, I, I do wanna say this, is that we all debate the food story. And I love talking about food and your passion is food. Everybody's passion is food in one way or another. But the food story gets all the attention. It gets all the debate. It gets all the conversation. But I want everyone to know that the food story is no more important than the sleep story, the sunshine story, the stress story, the, the uh, I guess I would call it sexual activity or yeah, something like that. So mm -hmm. the idea, because I wanted to throw in another S where it's like sleep, sunshine, right. seafood, <laughs> stress. And I want to throw in, I can't say physical activity. So it's, it's kind of like sexercise. Mm -hmm. So again, being sexually active and physically active, uh, rolling all of that kind of thing into the mix. That's the ultimate uh, health strategies. And then you've got all of these environmental toxins and pollutants and chemicals that really need to be addressed because all of those lead to that endothelial dysfunction that we talked about. They lead to inflammation. They are markedly linked to the risk of everything bad, no matter what your health condition is. I promise you, air pollution is linked to it. And these pesticides are linked to it. And environmental molds are linked to it. But because the doctors are not trained in that language, they're only trained in the pill model, you're not going to hear it unless you go outside of the mainstream. Absolutely. Um, talking about sunshine, I know you're really big on vitamin D and sunshine. Let's talk about that for a second. What, what if you live in a area that doesn't get sun all the time, right? And you can't be all, all you know, happy in the sun, frolicking and playing all day. Then what? What do we do when we live in Minnesota or Seattle or Portland, Oregon? What do you think we should do, Jill? I think we should supplement with vitamin D, high, <laughs> high quality vitamin D. And I think, okay. we, I think we absolutely need to eat well. I think that eating will help support that. I know that vitamin D is saturated in uh, meat-based, animal-based foods, and that's going to help keep your levels high. Okay, so I think you ultimately you are a Chicago denialist and here is where I get to insult my hometown of Chicago. And like you said, Minnesota, Canada, I see patients from all of those places, talk to people from all those places with all kinds of cardiovascular issues, atrial fibrillation, hypertension, previous heart attack, or even for preventive type stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, Portland, uh, Oregon, Seattle, Washington, Norway, Russia. I mean, again, like all over right. upstate New York. And my advice to those people is move, 
But what if you can't move? Your family, your job. Okay. Is there. My family, my job. Okay. So for every, and I get all that, obviously, um, for every five to seven weeks, you're in the Chicago weather, again, to insult Chicago, as I love to do. Uh, Chicago, Chicago is amazing, right? You know, from July, from July 15th to, to August 15th, it's an amazing place to be. I, 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 I'm totally with you on that. Okay. So if you can't move, I advise people for every five to seven weeks, you're in those kind of climates, take a vacation five to seven days to a really sunny spot. And I don't think going, you know, for example, January going to Florida is the solution because Florida may be cold. I think again, trying to go to Southern Mexico, Costa Rica, uh, uh, somewhere in the South Caribbean, again, trying to really find and realize that the sunshine is medicine. Now, if you can't do that, then I recommend uh, certainly eating a lot of seafood for everybody because all the blue zones are in sunny climates except for Iceland. And the Icelanders, they get have a lot of health benefits because they're on a volcanic island, the water's incredible, but also because they eat a ton of seafood. They eat seafood all day long, every day. And as you mentioned, that's a great source of vitamin D. The sun, by the way, provides so much more benefits than just the vitamin D, uh, including lowering cholesterol, by the way. The sun hits cholesterol in the skin and converts it into vitamin D, which is how we reduce cholesterol naturally and appropriately. And then I'm also a big fan of, of vitamin D lamps. So vitamin D lamps give you UVA, UVB rays, it's essentially harnessing the power of the sun to create vitamin D and nitric oxide and uh, melatonin in our body. It does a lot of things there. So uh, vitamin D supplements, I think, have a role in a narrow window in the winter time. But I personally prefer all those other strategies first. Oh, absolutely. Um, but if you're going to take vitamin D, what is the best form of vitamin D to take? Well, you know, certainly you want to take, uh, you know, a, a vitamin D that is something that is, you know, going to come in because because it's a fat soluble vitamin, so it's going to come in some kind of a fat. So you want to make sure it's not some kind of soybean oil or something, you know, genetically modified. Right. The vitamin D supplement that we have on our website, it's in sesame seed oil, uh, but you know, it's it's. It certainly has, has importance as far as the quality of the vitamin D, but anybody, and you, I know, point this out to your clients and to your listeners, anybody who's on vitamin D, they must be on vitamin K because it is the vitamin K, specifically K2, that right. keeps the calcium in the bones and out of the arteries. And actually, there's a lot of data that says that vitamin K2 leads to coronary plaque reversal, which is very exciting uh, news as well. So do we want to wear sunscreen when we're in the sun? Uh, well, you know, when, when us uh, people from the northern suburbs of Chicago, when we <laughs> went on spring break to South Florida and we got burnt, that was bad. So sunburn bad, sunshine good. We want to practice smart sun. We want to, you know, uh, gradually build up our sun exposure. Remember this, Jill, you know this, and just for your listeners, what is, what is your skin? Your skin is not just holding together a bag of bones. It's not just for aesthetics. Your skin is a solar <clears throat> panel. Your skin is specifically built and designed, and so are your eyes for that matter, 
to collect the energy from the sun and make good things happen. So we wanna practice smart sun. And then if we are gonna be out in the sun for a long period of time, certainly you could wear a hat. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm follicularly challenged and getting worse so uh, over, over the years. So I will wear a baseball hat or something like that when I'm out and about for the most part. But again, if you're going to wear sunscreen, just make sure it's organic sunscreen, zinc oxide with organic jojoba oil, the aforementioned coconut oil. Again, so, you know something that comes in organic based, you don't want chemicals on your skin. What goes on your skin gets in your body, don't do it. Absolutely. I wanna touch quickly on a topic before we end um, for the women listeners out there, the middle-aged women like me, menopause and heart disease, the connection with estrogen levels and what we should be paying attention to when we have that conversation with our primary care physician or our OBGYN on whether or not to start hormone replacement therapy. What are your thoughts on that? I, I rarely recommend hormone replacement therapy, uh, maybe more so for men than I do women, and I'll, and I'll clarify that. But when it comes to my beliefs is that I believe when women went through menopause for millions of years, that it was a rite of passage. They kind of graduated to the elder stateswomen of the tribe. They were the wise women. They were the medicine women. They were helping to deliver babies and they were helping to take care of the kids. And, and they were just very active members of that community and nobody was giving them hormones. I think that the best thing we can do is tell people about the right foods, the right lifestyle, as we've talked about already, the right evidence-based supplements, the right testing to dial everything in and let women give it a go on that level. And then if they are still struggling, then I think that there is a role for female hormone therapy, but I rarely see that need. I think what happens from a dangerous standpoint, whether it's men or women, you take an unhealthy person and you give them hormones and you get bad outcomes. It's, it's, all, it's, it's just a bad strategy. And for men, certainly men who go on testosterone therapy without being optimized into a healthy person, those people are the ones that wind up with heart attacks, stroke, deep venous thrombosis. It, it's a problem. So we need to make each one of us the healthiest version we can. And then if we need to go for hormonal therapy, we will, but it's very uncommon. And again, for men on testosterone, I will say this as a caveat, of course, we got to measure estrogen levels and make sure their estrogen levels remain low and use supplements and or pharmaceutical to keep their uh, estradiol levels low. But the other thing that men need to be cognizant about is that testosterone replacement can raise hemoglobin to very high levels. And that now makes your blood like sludge. And when you're pumping sludge, you're in trouble. You don't want to pump sludge. You want to pump nice, thin, naturally thin blood. But that's my two cents on that. And uh, Jill, let me take a second also to bash coronary artery scans. Uh, I am anti-radiation. I uh, think radiation, well, it's not that I think, radiation is proven to cause heart disease, cancer, and dementia. I operate under the assumption of everybody's got significant coronary artery disease. And let's check the lab tests 
and let's do something about it. So let's look at all these advanced lipids, advanced markers of inflammation, intracellular vitamins and minerals, intracellular glutathione, omega-3s. Let's look for mold. Let's look for metals. Let's look for other environmental toxins. Let's look for leaky gut. Let's look for homocysteine and, and test vitamin D and let's test everything and, and avoid the coronary artery uh, scan. I see plenty of people that have had a scan done already. I'm not here to admonish anybody who's done it in the past. I, I've never ordered one. I would never have one done on myself. That's just my, two take, uh, my take. Other people disagree. That's what, makes, uh, that's what makes the world go round is that we can agree to disagree and we can move on. What do you say to someone who goes to a primary care physician who every year takes their blood, but it's not a deep dive and they're just in the, when let's say someone out there is listening to this podcast and they go to their primary care physician, they say, well, I really want to do, you know, X, Y, and Z and really do a deep dive. And their physician says, you know, it's really not that necessary. What do you say to that person? Uh, I would say you're wasting your time. I would say this. I would sooner refer someone to Jill Foos than I would to the head of cardiology at Harvard Hospital, Mayo Hospital. I would put all the head of cardiologies from the best hospitals in the world, I'd put them all in a room. And I would still, many times over, refer someone over to Jill Foos without even thinking about it. So what I'm saying is, is that those are smart people. They're very, very, very obviously accomplished men and women. They have not been trained in prevention. They have been trained in the pill procedure and surgical model. And if you want pills, procedures, and surgeries, go to one of those doctors. If you want real preventive strategies to live a long, happy, and healthy life with your brain and body intact, you're going to go to someone like Joe Foose or myself or any of the other number of practitioners who are practicing. And by the way, right, we're not the only ones. There's a lot of us that are seeing the problems with modern medicine and are opting out because we didn't go into this to become drug pushers and glorified pharmacists. We went into this to help people and we realize we're not helping people and we need to. So if you're not working with a functional medicine practitioner, you're wasting your time and you're wasting your money. And if you are interested in wasting your time and money, then continue. If you want the best, see somebody else. I absolutely agree with that. Well, I want to be respectful of your time as well. I appreciate you coming on here and being direct and honest. And while some of this information might be shocking to my listeners, it's, it's current information based on science. This is not opinion, right? This is science. Um, so thank you, Dr. Jack. I so appreciate your time and your expertise on this. I could you know, talk another hour at least on, on more heart disease information. Um, where can the listeners find you? Well, I'm in a lot of different places. I would just invite anybody. Uh, uh, my book is an Amazon bestseller. You can give it to Jeff Bezos and Amazon. I think they have enough money. You can get my book for free at freeheartbook.com. Again, mm -hmm. that's free heartbook.com. All you do is pay shipping and handling. We'll send you a copy of the book for free. That's a great place to start, you know, reading my book and getting some of my information. 
Great. But, um, you know, all we ask, Joe, is for people to have an open mind. It's just, I mean, just have an open mind, do some of your research, and realize that there are some other solutions that are out there. Uh, this is not the 1970s where you go to your medical doctor and it's my way or the highway. There's, there's something that was invented in the early 1990s that most people have heard of, right? And it's called the internet. And you can go get some phenomenal information. My book has over 300 references to the medical literature. So what we're talking about is evidence-based and frankly, a lot of what the medical doctors talk about is not evidence-based or the evidence that they're providing is faulty. So uh, seek other opinions and then make an educated decision for yourself and for your family. Yeah, absolutely. We all show up at our doctor's offices with a, a story, a story that's been in our family, a story that's been in our head, a story we've created through experiences. And it's that story that has to be changed. And it can sometimes be a shocking and hard conversation, but I agree, come with an open mind and know your why. I think it's very important. We didn't talk about that earlier, but always know your why to why you need to change your lifestyle. Is it a, a cardiac event? Is it you're having a grandchild and you can't bend over and tie your shoes? So how on earth are you going to be, you know, having fun with this baby growing up? You know, what's your why? Um, so important before you go and see a physician. So again, Dr. Jack, thank you so much. Enjoy the beautiful sunshine where you are. Uh, we had a little bit of snow here in Chi-Town, so you're missing nothing. And I will eat a steak for you this weekend and think of you as a, uh, and I'll have, you know what, I'm going to have surf and turf. How about that? <laughs> yes. Uh, you know, again, like that seafood story is so, so critical. Yes. You know, but, uh, let me say one thing real too, uh, you know, real quick, Jill. Because uh, I don't want to forget this is that people, as you know, they love to blame everything on family history. Well, my dad had this, my mom had this. Family history means nothing because, as you know, it's all about the concept of epigenetics, how the environment affects your genes. Yes. Our genes are just about perfect, right? We've been on this planet for a long time. We can see and hear and run and jump, and we can make babies. We can do some extraordinary things of which we can barely even understand of what the human body is capable of doing. Bad genetics does not play a role into that conversation. It's all about these man-made causes of disease and that's what we need to fix. So please don't blame your genetics. Uh, there's, there's always a solution holistically for you, always. Well, thank you again. Enjoy those kids. Enjoy your sunshine. And uh, for everyone listening, I will put under the notes the um, link to the free copy of Dr. Jack's book, as well as all of his social media handles and his um, website information. So if you are interested in scheduling a one-on-one -on -one consultation or flying out to Arizona to see him, you will have his information. So thank you again for joining the Health Trip Podcast with Jill Foose. And until next time.